Good morning, everyone. If you were here earlier in the adult class, then you heard Brother Carl read from Matthew chapter 2. And um, as it happens today, you're going to hear that again. Uh, like minds, uh, the title of the lesson for this morning is, What Child Is This? And it's taken from Matthew chapter 2 and verses 1 through 18. Matthew 2, 1 through 18. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to <coughs> Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen the star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Arise, take the young child and his mother, Flee to Egypt and stay there until I bring you word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry, and he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, A voice was heard in Ramah, 
lamentation, weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. What child is this? Within the passage this morning, we find three groups of people. It appears that at the birth of our Lord, mankind was permanently divided into three groups. These groups are not separated by race, gender, or social class. No, they are separated by what we might call a heart condition. What are these groups and what do they represent? That's what our lesson is all about. So group one, I will call the Herod group. Herod's reaction to the birth of our Lord was one of hatred and hostility. Herod was afraid that this little child was going to interfere with his life, his power, and his influence. Therefore, his first instinct was to destroy him. There are still those who would gladly destroy Jesus Christ. They see in him the one who interferes with their lives. They wish to do what they like, and Christ will not let them do what they like, and so they wish to remove him or erase him from their lives. But they never stop there. They want him gone forever from our lives as well. They want no mention of him, no hint that he ever existed. It was this group that removed Bible reading and prayer from our public schools. What Herod did is an illustration of what some people will do to get rid of Jesus Christ and all that he represents. If a person is set on their own way and determined to do their own will, but sees in Christ someone who is liable to interfere with their ambitions and rebuke their behavior, their one desire is to eliminate him. Then they are driven to do the most awful things. They will seek to break men's bodies or seek to break men's hearts. Group number two, I will call the religious leaders group. The reaction of the chief priest and scribes to the birth of our Lord was one of complete indifference. It did not make the slightest difference to them. Their lives were spent in their temple rituals, their legal discussions, and their strict obedience to the Mosaic law. They had completely disregarded Jesus. He meant nothing to them yet. You see, at this time in the life of Jesus, he was but a child. In our passage this morning, the Lord is at such a young age that he is not a threat to their way of life. It will be many years before Jesus begins his public ministry. It will be at that time that he will become a definite threat to those religious leaders, a force to be reckoned with. But for the time being, Jesus was of no importance as far as they were concerned. It would be years before our Lord would proclaim, for I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter 
the kingdom of heaven. It will be years before the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught as one having authority and not as their scribes. And it would be years until Jesus had cast out a demon from a mute. And the Pharisees would say, he cast out demons by the ruler of the demons. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 26 and verses 1 through 4, Now it came to pass, when Jesus had finished all these sayings, that he said to his disciples, You know that after two days is the Passover, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. Then the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders of the people assembled at the palace of the high priest, who was called Caiaphas, and plotted to take Jesus by trickery and kill him. We see by this passage how the reaction to Jesus the man had taken a terrible turn, a complete reversal from the religious leader's feelings toward him when he was but a young child. Jesus would become the spiritual influence upon the people that the high priests and elders grew to fear and hate. There are many living today who are so absorbed in their own lives that Jesus Christ means nothing to them. The prophet's poignant question can still be asked, is it nothing to you, all you who pass by? Lamentations 1.12. There are millions of people today who could care less whether Jesus was born or not. There are millions who could care less whether he was crucified for them and that he rose from the grave and that he sits at his father's right hand, but they will. Yes, there is a great day coming when they will wish that they had made Jesus a part of their lives. On the day of judgment, these people will wish with all their hearts that they had been Christ-absorbed instead of self-absorbed. We now come to our third and final group. Group number three, I will call the wise men group. The purpose of the coming of the wise men, as verse two of our passage this morning reminds us, was to worship Jesus. They came to do homage and give honor to Jesus. And so the wise men's reaction to the birth of Jesus was one of adoring worship. Verses 10 and 11 of our passage tells us, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Their desire was to lay at the feet of Jesus the noblest gifts which they could bring. We do not know how much they knew about the divinity of Jesus, but we are led to believe that the homage which they paid to the child was something similar to that which was usually paid to royalty. The miraculous way that they had been guided to the house must have caused them to realize that this child was more than the ordinary. These magi were Gentiles, and they are the first to pay homage to Jesus as king. 
The worship which they gave to the child expresses their thankfulness for the guidance that they had received in coming to Bethlehem. Their worship is an expression of gratitude to God and homage to the child. We see in the wise men's actions three characteristics. We see joy, we see humility, and we see reverence. Surely when anyone realizes the love of God through Jesus Christ, their life is one which demonstrates these three characteristics. Joy, humility, and reverence. Though we may not know the exact nature of the star from the east that went before the wise men, the rejoicing which they did in finding the Christ is something which everyone may experience for themselves when they turn to the Lord and know the Redeemer in the forgiveness of their sins. Concerning the gifts the wise men brought, we ask the question, why these gifts? Gold is the gift for a king. Gold, the king of metals, is the fit gift for a king. Jesus was the child born to be king. But he was to reign not by force, but by love. He was to rule over the hearts of mankind, not from a throne, but from a cross. Frankincense is the gift for a priest. It was in the temple worship and at the temple sacrifices that the sweet perfume of frankincense was used. The function of a priest was to open the way to God for mankind. The Latin word for priest is pontifex, which means a bridge builder. The priest was the one who built the bridge between mankind and God. That is what Jesus did. He opened the way to God. He made it possible for mankind to enter the very presence of God. Myrrh is the gift for one who is to die. Myrrh was used to embalm the bodies of the dead. Jesus came into the world to live for mankind and in the end to die for mankind. He came to give for mankind his life and his death. Gold for a king, frankincense for a priest, myrrh for the one who was to die. These are the gifts that the wise men brought. So we see that even at the cradle of Christ, these gifts foretold that he was to be the true king, the perfect high priest, and in the end, the supreme savior of mankind. So what child is this? How do you see Jesus in your life? What is your attitude toward the Son of God? If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, I would hope that your attitude toward our Lord is like that of the wise men. When Jesus becomes king of your life, then people see him in your words and in your actions. They will witness the love that he has for us in the way we love them. Our adoring worship of him will be reflected in our treatment of others. Perhaps you are like those religious leaders who were indifferent to Jesus. My prayer is that your heart will be pricked 
and that you will ask the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? That you will come to Jesus in humble and reverent submission and be immersed, be baptized. I doubt that there's anyone here this morning who is a member of the Herod group. If you are, may God have mercy on you. I pray that your heart would not be hardened and you will turn from your hostility and seek forgiveness and salvation. At this time, we do offer an invitation. Our invitation hymn is 464. The first part of the invitation is for those who may have never been baptized for the forgiveness of their sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you truly believe that Jesus is the Christ who died for your sins and you're willing to repent of them and confess him as your Savior, we are ready and willing to baptize you this morning. Most of you here I know personally and I know you are a brother or sister in Christ. You may be going through a time right now in your life that is most difficult. There may be a burden that has been placed on you that you cannot bear alone, and we are here to support you through that. We're not here just to sit in the pews and listen to some speaker. We are here because we love you, and we want to pray with you and for you. So whatever your need is this morning, won't you let us know what that need is as together we stand and sing our hymn of invitation, 464.